This podcast is sponsored by our partner, QXMD. QXMD builds mobile solutions that drive evidence-based medicine in clinical practice. Check out READ for easy access to research personalized for you and CALCULATE for over 500 easy-to-use decision support tools. Try them today at qxmd.com slash apps. Again, that is qxmd.com slash apps. You can find a list of references for today's topic in the Read app at qxmd.com slash apps. Welcome to the Critical Care Obstetrics Podcast Season 2. My name is Julie Arafay. I am the Simulation Director at Clinical Concepts in Obstetrics. The topic for the podcast is practicing complex events in a way that improves performance. I'm talking about a method of simulation called deliberate practice. Some of you may have heard of this term, but I'd like to explore it in more detail and give you an example of using it to practice maternal cardiac arrest. So really, what is deliberate practice? It's training that allows the trainees to repeat a task until it is consistently done, effectively, and efficiently. So in this type of simulation, a short scenario, such as the first five minutes of resuscitation, is repeated several times with abbreviated debriefings that include feedback on performance, as well as developing more effective and efficient processes for completing key tasks and improving team skills. This type of simulation is a proven method for acquiring and perfecting skills and is used specifically for life support training. So why use deliberate practice for maternal cardiac arrest? Well, it's likely in most units in the United States that the code team will not arrive for the first five minutes of the OB arrest. So the obstetric team is going to be on their own for these first five minutes. So considering that this chunk of time is one that the OB team needs to be self-sufficient, it's reasonable to concentrate on these first five minutes. Not only will these the OB team be on their own, but think of all the key things that need to happen in these first five minutes. Chest compressions need to be performed effectively. Bag mask ventilation needs to be started the cardiac rhythm checked, and the patient defibrillated if needed. And what we do that really they don't do in other resuscitations is a resuscitative cesarean section. So all of these things happen in the first five minutes. That's a lot to do for a team that doesn't see cardiac arrest very often and has very few opportunities to practice. So the repetitive nature of this type of practice is really important to get the processes right, identify what roles people are going to be in, and really get the choreography of the resuscitation figured out. 
As in all simulations, having an interprofessional team is key. When you're practicing maternal cardiac arrest with deliberate practice or in any other setting, it's important to have the team present that is likely going to assemble for maternal resuscitation on the unit. This individualizes and applies all of the knowledge of maternal cardiac arrest to your specific team and your specific unit. Each unit is as individual as a fingerprint. So what works well for one unit as far as role delegation and a process may not work for other units. So I think it's really important to take the time to figure out what is the best way to do this on your unique unit. So let's say in your setting, and I'm going to take a unit that doesn't have as many responders, let's say you are only going to have four responders for the first five minutes. Let's say that's two nurses, an OB technician, and uh, and an OB hospitalist. So role delegation might look something like this. The RN recognizes the pulseless state, calls for help, and initiates chest compressions. The OB tech, when they come in, takes over chest compressions, which allows that first RN to move to bag mask ventilation. The hospitalist comes in and does left uterine displacement, and the second RN brings in the crash cart, places the backboard and defibrillator pads, checks the rhythm, and you can use the AED mode if this is not something you do very often, defibrillates as needed, and then pulls first-line medication, which is epinephrine and administers that medication at the appropriate time. At four minutes, the hospitalist can begin the resuscitative C-section, and when that procedure is finished, can move to help the code team leader. Hopefully, the code team is there by that time. And the hospitalist is the ideal person to help the code leader to determine why this happened to this patient at this time, and what steps need to be taken to reverse the cardiac arrest. So with just four people, you can get the most important basic steps that we just outlined completed. The the crash cart, perfusion, ventilation, and the resuscitative C-section. Obviously, some units are going to have more people respond to maternal cardiac arrest. And then you have the luxury of having a documenter. You have the ability to have a, a line of people, or maybe at least a short line of people that can perform chest compressions. We know that not everybody on the unit is going to adequately be able to do chest compressions. And we also know that In some situations, people can't really do chest compressions for a full two minutes. So having a line of people ready and able to do chest compressions is really helpful. So how does deliberate practice work? What does it look like? Well, first, the first thing that needs to happen 
is people need to practice all of the skills, particularly since we don't do bag mask ventilation and chest compressions very often. It's really helpful for everyone to practice the skill. So everyone needs to practice bag mask ventilation and everyone needs to practice chest compressions. The other thing that I think needs to be practiced, two things really, but the crash cart, we don't interact with crash cart very often. So we need to be able to open up the crash cart, see where the epinephrine is. How do you put it together? How do you administer it? Remember to give the flush afterwards. Where is the Where are the defibrillator pads? Where's the backboard? How are you going to place those pads? And then if you're going to use the AED function on your defibrillator, how does that work? And can you practice it? Having the exact quip, equipment that you're going to use is really an essential part of this kind of practice. Now, I think it's also very important that the physicians practice the resuscitative cesarean section. And there are some mannequins out there that have an abdominal skin overlay that has a opening that you can utilize for a C-section. That's great. If you have that mannequin, you can utilize that skin and allow just by placing tape over the opening, you can allow the physician to actually use a scalpel and in all of the steps of the resuscitation, practice over and over again, taking that scalpel in hand, making the cut and delivering the baby. If you don't have that type of mannequin that has the abdominal skin overlay, you can easily make one of your own. Now, what I would recommend is you get just, it couldn't be a doll, any kind of a doll that is in about the size of a 30 to 35 week fetus. Put the doll in a larger Ziploc bag. You can even fill it with water if you like. Place it over the abdomen of either the abdominal area of either a task trainer or a full body mannequin and then take two inch foam and cut a very generous uh, square of two inch foam. Now I say generous because if you place this foam tightly and attach it tightly to the mannequin or the task trainer, it's almost impossible to get the, the fetus out. And there's a lot of struggling that goes on in the actual resuscitative uh, procedure itself. So it should be placed kind of loosely. You can either cover it with flesh-colored tape, and there's flesh-colored duct tape, or you can just get a piece of fabric that's flesh-covered and place that over the top. Then you tape the foam and the fabric down onto the mannequin. You're going to use this several times because the thing about deliberate practice is it's a repetitive procedure. It's a repetitive way of training. So in order to save a little bit of money on supplies, you can take that duct tape or whatever kind of tape you're using and just keep re-taping where this, the, um, hospitalist or the obstetrician has 
cut the material and the foam with the scalpel. So you can just continually repair it with duct tape. So that way they can practice over and over again on the same basic supplies. So you might ask, well, why does it need to be that um, precise? Why do we need to actually have them put the scalpel in hand and make the cut? I can't tell you how many times I have gotten the feedback from physicians that it helped them immensely to have had something in hand, the scalpel, make the cut and actually do that whole activity during simulation. When they were actually faced with it in actual patient, it was easier to make that cut. So it's worth the time and effort to have that type of a situation set up so that the physician can actually practice making the cut and delivering the baby. Second, let's talk about the roles each team member will play. And what is really helpful with deliberate practice is when you break down something as complicated as maternal cardiac arrest into small little chunks. And this first little chunk that we're going to talk about is the first five minutes. I tell people we're going to walk through this and I almost have to emphasize, take everybody take a deep breath and relax. We are not going to go at actual speed. What I've noticed in the past is that if we don't take this time to walk through roles and what everyone's going to do, we tend to just keep practicing the same mistakes that we make every single time. So by slowing down, looking at what everyone is going to do, and walking through it, you have the the ability to see what it is your role is going to be, what is going to be expected of you in that role, and then really practice doing that role well. So as you're walking through the steps of resuscitation, everyone in their role, this is a great time to answer questions, or if anyone has any confusion, who they're going to communicate with, who the leader is going to be, what that's going to look like. This is a great time to get all of those things figured out. Now we're on to the third step. The third step is actually run a scenario, but you want to stop it if you see an error. So you're going to stop the scenario and tell the trainees this ahead of time. Stop the scenario, talk about what happened, fix it, And then you have a couple options. You can either go back and start the scenario over from the beginning, or you can pick up where the error was made. But you want to practice this way so that it's repetitive and so that people have the opportunity to get into that role. If they have a question, they know they can stop the scenario. Now, oftentimes, you're going to have more let's say, nurses, then you have roles in the actual scenario. And that's fine. Um, If you try to get a whole unit of nurses through and you're only using two or three nurses at a time, you're going to be running a lot of scenarios. So let's say you only have roles for two nurses, but you've got four nurses or six nurses in that particular training session. 
everybody needs to practice the skills. Every single person needs to do that. But every time you go into a step of deliberate practice, such as step two, where you're walking through it, or step three, where you're running the scenario, but stopping for mistakes, or even step four, which is running through the scenario without stopping, you can put two different RNs in each one of those second, third, or fourth steps. Now, the ones who are not actively participating in a scenario need to be watching. They need to participate in any feedback and debriefing, and they need to participate in any discussions that occur around maternal cardiac arrest. This is also something you can utilize if you've got residents coming through or you have um, more unit technicians, OB technicians, support staff coming through. You can have different people go into different parts, but observe the entire training session. When you finally run the scenario, the trainees need to be very well aware, particularly with maternal cardiac arrest, what expected metrics are. Now, I've talked about metrics in the past. It's a unit of measurement. And I feel strongly that you can't get better if you don't measure what you're doing. So there are very uh, there are three very clear measures that you can use in this first five minutes of the maternal cardiac arrest. The first measure is from the time pulselessness is detected until the time chest compressions begin should be at least six no, excuse me, should be no longer than 60 seconds. So chest compressions need to be started within 60 seconds of establishing pulselessness. Another measure, the time pulselessness is detected until the time the cardiac rhythm is analyzed and the patient debriefed or defibrillated. Now, that should be within three minutes. This one is one that I think is really important if you're doing your deliberate practice as part of a mock code in C2 because you need to figure out a way on your unit that you can get that code card in the room and analyze the patient within three minutes after you detect that the patient is pulseless. Third measurement, the time pulselessness is detected until the time of the resuscitative C-section. And we all know that's five minutes. So in this uh, final running or the fourth running, when you're actually running through the scenario and you're not stopping, these three measurements should be taken of the performance. Not to say that your measurements are directed at one person, it's directed at the team. If the team was not able to get the resuscitative uh, cesarean section started by five minutes, why, why didn't that happen? What could be done differently? And what needs to be thought about in actual patient care? But if the team does manage to get this done, and does manage to get all of these criteria met for these three metrics, 
then it's very important to understand and to talk about what went well that supported the team performing in this way. Those things need to be replicated in patient care. So breaking maternal cardiac arrest down into smaller segments allows people to understand their role, understand what they're going to do, and perform that or practice it repetitively. So if you think about maternal cardiac arrest, you can take the first five minutes, and we've talked kind of in detail now about what that entails. The next chunk of time that you may want to look at is how do you integrate the code team into the maternal cardiac arrest? What of the OB team stays? Who do you no longer need? What roles do the code team assume? And then I think it's really important for the code leader and the obstetrician and the primary nurse to all have the ability to discuss and think about what caused the code and what needs to be done in order to reverse the process and hopefully establish return of spontaneous circulation. So we've talked about this a little bit. Where should this practice occur? Ideally, any type of simulation practice is best done on the unit where you're going to take care of the patient. But sometimes that's just not practical. So this type of deliberate practice, particularly with maternal cardiac arrest, can really be done anywhere. But what's really crucial is the composition of the team so that you're aware of what needs to happen on your unit how you need to divide these tasks, how many people you're going to have. And in some hospitals, it's not that you don't have enough people, it's that you've got way too many. So if you take the time to figure out who actually needs to be in the room, you can get extra people out of the room. And extra people can create chaos can be extremely loud, and can actually interfere with the resuscitation process. So figure out who you need and how to get those people in the room. Um, the other thing that you want is you have to have the same equipment that you're going to be using. It's really important that we get our hands on our defibrillator and our code cart as often as we can. We don't, we don't get to work with these pieces of equipment very often. And because we don't, and because we are going to be likely by ourselves on the OB unit for these first five minutes, it is perfectly fine to use the AED mode of your defibrillator. Um, you don't want to have any hesitation about delivering a shock if a patient needs it. So working through the pads, working through how to apply those pads, ut utilizing the backboard, working through the knobs, figuring out how the AED mode is activated and deactivated is a really important part of practicing.
one of the units that I worked on had the ability to have the pads hooked up and ready to apply. Um, they, they had um, layered packaging. So you could remove the outer packaging, hook the pads up, but the inner packaging remained. So the, the cart was always ready to place the pads on the patient. Little steps like that are really important in obstetrics when we don't do codes very often. If you run mock codes on your unit, this is an ideal time to utilize some or all of the steps of deliberate practice. I've used deliberate practice while training several OB teams in maternal cardiac arrest. And I've even trained teams that didn't speak English and didn't understand it all that well either. As a previous ACLS instructor and from training OB teams specifically for maternal cardiac arrest since 2009, I'm amazed at how well deliberate practice works and how well roles and the events of the resuscitation, the steps of the resuscitation were retained. Maternal cardiac arrest is a terrifying experience, and thankfully, most OB staff are rarely going to see it, and they really don't get to practice it that often. Many times, the only practice we get as OB staff is when we receive our basic life support or advanced cardiac life support cards, and not even all physicians have those cards. They're not even all required to be ACLS documented. When you do go to class, you may or may not get very specific direction and instruction about what to do when the patient's pregnant. And you don't often get to practice with people that you work with. So can you really think of any high stakes event that would be practiced in this way? There is no football team, no soccer team, no orchestra, no basketball team that would practice this way for an event that has such high stakes. Because when this happens, we want to do everything perfectly. We know from the literature that when you do all of these steps and you do the resuscitative cesarean section, you have the opportunity to bring that woman back. Our our patients are just a different population. They're younger. They're more healthy. Um, they can reverse out of these situations. So there's a lot of intense pressure on OB staff to perform very well in this kind of an event. And I think utilizing deliberate practice and utilizing this slowing down figuring out roles, particularly how it's going to work on your unit, is one way to help us do our best in this really complicated and very stressful situation. You can practice maternal cardiac arrest this way. You can practice other complex emergencies this way. And I think you'll find, as I have, it really pays off. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. You can learn more about our company at www.clinicalconceptsinob.com. You can also follow us on our Facebook page, Clinical Concepts in Obstetrics, on Twitter at OB Critical Care, and on Instagram at Critical Care 
O-B. Email us or send us a direct message for suggestions on future podcasts. For a list of references on today's topic, go to the read app, qxmd.com slash apps or our website. This podcast and music was produced by Austin Bear. Are you looking to create a podcast? Please reach out to nashvillepodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is nashvillepodcast at gmail.com.